Good morning, everybody. It's not on? All good now? Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. It's nice to see you all. Um, as a church, our mission is to help people become and grow into mature disciples of Jesus. We believe a disciple should seek God, belong to community, and serve the world. Seek, belong, serve. Welcome to any guests that are visiting us today, whether in person or online. If this is your first time here physically, we would like to give you an Oasis coffee mug. If this is the first time you've joined us online, please let us know by filling out a connection card in the Connect With Us tab on our website, www.celebratethejourney.org. For those of you here, uh, you can find the connection cards on the center back table underneath the clock. Uh, we don't ask this information to pester you too much, but to provide you with some important information about Oasis in order to help you decide if this is where God wants you to attend. If you have any questions before you leave today, just ask someone, and if they don't know the answer, they will direct you to someone who does. The connection card can also be used to sign up to receive a weekly email with a link to our newsletter or you can text the keyword newsletter to the number on the screen. The email is the best way to keep up to date on all that's going on at Oasis. There is a prayer box on the back table to my right. Uh, write your prayer need on the cards provided and drop it in the box. Each week we have a dedicated group of people who are committed to praying over these needs. And if you'd like to be contacted by someone who will pray with you, please provide your number and your name and someone will reach out to you. For our folks online, you can click on the prayer page tab on our website. Unless otherwise noted, everything written on these cards or online will be held in the strictest of confidence. If you need prayer today, there will be both men and women available after service to pray with you at the cross. If God has spoken to you about something you heard in the sermon, or if you want or need prayers, all are welcome to pray with one of our team members. We gather for community prayer here in the sanctuary on the first Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. So that was last Tuesday. But the next one is uh, September 7th. Uh, we believe supporting the local church through the giving of tithes and offerings are biblical truths. Whether you are here in the sanctuary or sitting at home, if you are here with us, there is a joy box on the wall by the back doors where you can place your tithes and offerings. If you are at home, you can mail your tithes and offerings to the church office or go to the Give tab on our website, set up a one-time or recurring offering amount. Great news! Coffee and is returning Sunday, September 12th. Yay, food. Uh, if you want to help out with this fellowship opportunity, please give Christine in the office a call at 203-439-0150. Um, Oasis is pleased to provide an online Bible study from Right Now Media each month. In August, we are offering The Reason for God, Conversations on Faith and Life by Timothy Keller. It's a good book. So, um, I think that's it. Here's Dennis. Thanks, Erin. 
Thank you, dear. Dear, how are you all today? Good. I am, I am well, thank you. Thank you for asking. Good. Little people, aren't little people awesome? Thanks. Real men wear mauve. Or salmon or whatever this is. <laughs> salmon. Well, I, can't we just say mauve? I mean, uh, it's, that's maroon. That's not maroon? Well, men. I like it. Let's move on. Can we agree this is blue? <laughs> Betsy's hair is purple. All right. Father, thank you for the love that you have for your church. Um, thank you for families and kids and and the, uh, the noise that they make, Father, because we know that um, to be childlike in the kingdom is a blessing. Lord, this morning I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart is acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 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 Uh, quick announcement. Next Sunday, I am flying away to the beautiful land of Zimbabwe. Um, I'll be going with uh, Pastor Casey Sabella. Uh, he has um, a relationship there with a pastor, Pastor Regis, uh, who we've been trying to raise money for for a, a heart surgery. Um, pastor Regis is leaving um, Zimbabwe on the 18th. Casey and I will get there on the 16th and we'll minister to his church and his place uh, while he is he is flying to Dubai to be quarantined to get to a uh, island off of Africa so he can have his surgery. Um, it's it's just the way it kind. Of, but because of his age, because of his uh, nationality, he's able to get the surgery for free. But it's going to cost about eight to ten thousand dollars in travel and staying and all those things. Uh, so Casey and I have the opportunity. Well, we didn't plan on him being away, but now that he's away, uh, he feels a little bit better that there's going to be pastors there that can minister. Uh, Zimbabwe, you can be praying for me. Zimbabwe is still very locked down. Uh, you go to jail if you leave your residence without a mask and we all know that I just love masks um, so yeah, maybe that's where God wants me in jail to preach the good news <laughs> um, so if you uh, remember you can be praying for me uh, praying for Sandy um, she'll be uh, home alone I'm, I, I remember like saying will you pray for my wife because she'll be home with the children but the children aren't really home all that much anymore and, and so you can just pray for her that she has a great time of peacefulness and stuff yeah so I will be gone for uh, one week and one half so 10 days I think 10 days uh, so I will be leaving uh, the, f the 15th and I will be returning to the states on the 20th sixth I think which is a Thursday um, so yeah so I'm excited I hope to bring back lots of God stories uh, God and I have been working on a dialogue where um, I want to I want to see some stuff I, I'm putting myself into an environment where I I've never been I don't know um, culture I don't know any of those things and uh, what well, I, I can't promise that. <laughs> well, I won't go to jail for not wearing a mask. 
So, all right. All right, so let's get into this. Um, what have we been preaching? Um, spiritual battle. We do not wrestle. We don't fight against flesh and blood. The Bible's kind of clear that we as followers of Jesus were in the midst of a battle. Now, the war is over. The war Jesus has won. He won on the cross through his resurrection. War's over. We win. But the battle wages on. I've said this a thousand times, and I'm going to say it a thousand more before the Lord shuts my mouth. If Satan, if the darkness cannot take from us eternal life, then he, they are going to do their best to steal from us the abundant life that Jesus came to give. And that's the battle that we're in for the abundance of life. This is not about wealth. This is not about stuff. This is about getting up in the morning, knowing that the Holy Spirit is guiding you, directing you, and you are living your life with passion and excitement for the things of God. That's the abundant life that Jesus came uh, to, to, to give to us. And then we, in return, we allow ourselves to be used by him to then push back darkness because we have the light of Christ. And so the battle is a spiritual one. It needs to be fought in the, in the spiritual realm. It needs to be fought with spiritual weapons. But these weapons that Paul lists in Ephesians chapter 6, these weapons have to see themselves manifest here in the physical. We know that darkness is manifesting itself here in the physical. We see it uh, spreading throughout our culture. And so we, the church, as we engage these, these principles of warfare, these spiritual weapons of warfare, we have to see them manifest in our lives. Not as jerks, but as followers of Jesus. So Paul said, we last well, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the, the belt of truth. He uses that as a weapon, that God's truth is a weapon for battle. And if that's true, then God's truth needs to manifest itself in my life. The truth that's, that, that's in this book needs to be evidenced in the way I am living my life because that's where the battle is. And so if I am going to press in and use this, then it should be Acknowledged. It should be knowledgeable. People should say, wow, there, there, there's something going on there because God's truth is God's truth and God's truth is the truth. And I know that it's going to work itself out very differently in all our lives. And that's the beauty of God's truth. But our lives have to adhere to that truth because that's our weapon. One of the weapons. Paul offers this battle plan of weaponry in the spiritual and, and I'm going to beat this dead horse. Our fight, our enemy, is not Republicans or Democrats. Our fight, our enemy, is not uh, groups, organizations. It's not people. Our fight is in the spiritual realm. Truth. And Paul went on to righteousness. Righteousness is a weapon for battle. 
a righteousness that doesn't come from our own works. It doesn't come from our own trying to behave or be good. A righteousness, remember that word, imputed righteousness, big geeky theological word. Imputed means that by faith, God has given me the righteousness of Jesus and has washed away my unrighteousness. I stand righteous before God. And that righteousness protects me from the lies of the enemy. When the enemy says, you're not good enough, the righteousness of God that's been given to me says, yeah, you're not, but with Christ, you are more than good. And that goodness can just, just leak out of me everywhere I go. And so we have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. And I haven't prepared my uh, zucchini over here. I did. Here, let, let's just lay down the groundwork. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the evil, I'm sorry, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Righteousness, truth, the first two. And then Paul's going to give us a bunch more. And again, he's using the Roman soldier as, as his example. And so he's presented to us these two, and then he says, and as your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the weapon that Paul is um, is talking about is this 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 idea of putting on our shoes for the gospel of peace. That the gospel is what is on our feet. Now it became known to me as I was studying this week that the Roman soldier had many different styles of shoes that that they could wear. And what Paul is describing here is their open-toed boots that would um, lace all the way up their ankle and be tied around. But on the bottom of this boot, there were spikes. Uh, maybe you can liken it to uh, the football player and, and their cleats. But what these, these, spi these boots weren't for um, chasing an enemy. These boots weren't for running away from an enemy. Uh, these boots were, were, were what the legionnaires would wear for just kind of their everyday duty. And with these spikes, it gave them a very firm center of gravity. They could not be pushed or pulled around because once they would dig their feet in, these metal spikes would hold them in place. And this is what Paul is talking about when he's describing um, these boots. And so with these boots on, the Roman soldier really had an advantage in the hand-to-hand -hand combat. And Paul is getting to us. He says, there, there has to be in, in me, Dennis, there has to be in me a readiness to stand firm and a readiness to, to fight, that my feet would be firmly planted on the foundation who is Christ and that I would become immovable. That's what Paul is getting at. The gospel of peace. It, it's an interesting interesting dynamic there's two pieces of peace that I think is important for us to understand first the gospel gives me peace with God I have peace with God Romans chapter 5 Paul would say this since we have been justified by faith we have peace 
with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems to me that humanity in general suffers from um, a tension that, that we just can't or, or they can't put their fingers on. There's this inner angst. Um, and, and within this tension that, that humanity lives in, this idea of peace just seems very fleeting. Um, and it's, but it's, yet yeah, it's something that we're always striving for. It's something that we're always going after. And, and sometimes that, that tension in us uh, can feel, um, it can feel like, like we're being uh, alienated, like, like we're just kind of outside looking in, like we've never been part of it whatever it is and we're just kind of we're kind of looking from the outside in and, and and it seems like you know some people just never find their groove in life never find that that sweet spot in life and so they're always looking and peace can be ever so fleeting and sometimes we look for peace uh, almost a um, within a, a passive desperation, right? And so we, pers we pursue stuff, we pursue money, we pursue the next, the next step up the corporate ladder, we pursue relationships, we pursue more knowledge. We're, we're looking for something that's going, to, that's going to squelch that tension that lives within us, that ever fleeting thing that is called peace. Well, I I'm gonna tell you this, that peace with God is a game changer. We, I, and, and again, I'm, I'm amazed as I'm, as I'm going through, I have read the book of Ephesians, I don't even know, a lot. I have read chapter six, a lot. The full armor of God, they make t-shirts, they make coffee cups, they make banners, they make all kinds of groovy things with the full armor of God. And yet I have come to the realization that I don't understand any of it. Because if I did, I would be living in, in way more victory than I am now. How is peace with God a weapon of warfare? It's a great question. My sin has been forgiven in Christ. Your sin has been forgiven in Christ. The sin of my past has been forgiven in Christ. The sin that I'm going to commit four seconds from now, I hope not, that would just be embarrassing. But anyway, I've been forgiven in Christ. My future sin has been forgiven in Christ. In fact, God doesn't remember my sin anymore because of Jesus. Now we might think, well, does God, can God forget? Like, does he lose memory? Well, probably not. But here's what that means. God will never, under any set of circumstances, ever bring my sin up and use it against me. It's been forgiven. It's been put away. It's been locked away. It has been separated from me as the east is from the west. That's what the scripture teaches. Now, now think about that for a minute. If you travel south, eventually when you get to the bottom, you're going to travel north. 
and then you're gonna travel south. Yet when you travel east to west, when you travel east, you're always going east. You never go west until, unless you turn around and go west, and then you're always going west. That's, the, 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 the separation is profound, that God is never going to say, Dennis, remember when you did that? Uh, yeah, I got you on that one. It, it's gone from his, his, his playbook. I, I don't know how else to describe it to you. My sin no longer holds an eternal consequence. Like I get to go to heaven. And so when the enemy in that heavenly realm accuses me and brings to mind those things that I've done in the past, those things that I've said, those things that I've said again and again, that sin has been covered in Christ it's been forgiven. The debt has been paid. I no longer suffer the consequence, the eternal consequence of that sin, which then means my accuser has no longer any poison to be used against me. Why? Because I believe that I have peace with God because of the gospel of peace. And yet, I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm standing here preaching this to you, and I'm realizing, my goodness, I don't fully understand this. Like, I, I can understand it from an intellectual perspective, but like living into this, I have peace with God. You have peace with God. Like, no matter what, your faith in Christ makes you then in this relationship of peace with God. That's how this is a weapon. And when those things come up, oh, really, you're, you're going to pray against that after you said that? Have you forgotten that thing that you did? And you said you'd never do it again, but yet you did it again? If I don't understand my peace with God, that I have peace with God because of Christ, if I don't get that, those accusations are going to cause me to put my head in the sand and hide and just let life kind of pass me by. I don't want to get involved. I'm not getting my hands dirty. Who am I to say something or to do something? But we're forgiven completely. East is from the West. Sometimes I, I think as, as we Christians get bogged down with this striving for our forgiveness, like how can we do battle for someone if we believe that someone is always angry with us? How can we do battle for someone's kingdom and use the weapons that they give when we, when we believe that, that we're not in favor with them or they don't like us or they're disappointed with us or we better, we better perform well or we're not going to be loved or be blessed or, or whatever the, the toxic um, thoughts that come in our brains about, about God. And, and so it's so important that we understand our forgiveness and the depth of our forgiveness because that's where we fight from. We fight from a place of righteousness, not fighting for our righteousness, but fighting because we have already been made righteous in the sight of God because of the blood of Christ and his resurrection, period. And so we have to understand total forgiveness. And we have to understand grace. Grace. 
Grace is not the license to sin. Grace is the, the spiritual power that God gives me to say no. To say no. That when temptation comes, I can say no. Why? Because of grace. And so I have to be in a very honest place with myself when it comes to sin. Like grace doesn't give me license. Grace doesn't make it okay. I have to come to, my, uh, uh, come to a place within myself to say, I hate that. But yet, if it wasn't for God. And so the sin in my life, it causes angst and tension. I, I don't like it, and I don't want it, and I don't make an excuse for it. I know that I'm still sometimes doing it, but blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those whose sin just kind of gnaws at them, because the Spirit is going to come in comfort. Here's the thing. I've never been called to look perfect. I haven't been empowered to look like perfect. I have never been able to act like perfect. Here's what I'm called to. Here's what I'm empowered for. I'm empowered. I am called. I've been sanctified. I've been justified to look like Christ to look like Jesus. Now, I know some of you theologians out there go, oh, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus himself say, therefore you be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect? Yeah, he did. And Jesus was perfect. But if we can get there on our own, my goodness, Jesus wasted his time. See, Jesus came to fulfill God's law perfectly because I can't. And, and so this idea of perfection, that we have to live this, this perfect uber-Christian life, I, I believe it's shattered with these words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that sound like the striving that we humans call perfection? The quest to be perfect is difficult, all-encompassing, heavy-laden. You just ask any professional athlete. And, and 200 shots with his left hand. He would be the first one there in the morning. He would be the last one to leave at night. Perfection's really hard to get at. And then we have this. Jesus, and this is in the context of religion. Jesus said, like, you know, when you're late, when you're heavy and you're laboring, like you're trying to get it right, you're trying to live up to these human expectations of perfection or religion or, or behavior. Jesus says, you know what? You come to me, I'm gonna give you a rest. You you watch the way I do it. You learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for kudos here, but I'm gentle. And you're going to find rest for your souls. The yoke, his teaching, his way of life is easy. We don't look like Jesus because we don't believe we...
either have the right to look like him or we're good enough to look like him or we've been forgiven enough to look like him whatever it is we we keep on ourselves we don't live in the victory that jesus came to give because we don't see ourselves as god sees us righteous forgiven children Christian, you are at peace with God. And because you're at peace with him, you walk in the peace of God. That's the peace that allows me to sleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. It's a, I love that story. And, and you know, if you read about it, sometimes people will think, well, you know, Jesus really was just laying there with one eye open, watching the disciples until they freaked out, or he was so exhausted from days in ministry that he just needed to sleep and the storm wasn't even going to wake him up. But, but maybe, just maybe, Jesus was able to sleep in the storm, during the storm, because in the reality that Jesus lives in, there are no storms in his life. There's no storm to take away his peace. Why? Because he knows who he is. He knows who his father is, and he knows who he is in relationship to his father. This is what we have to understand. No idea where I am in my notes. Um, so we've been given the peace of the gospel. And the next he tells us this, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. <laughs> Here we have a defensive weapon, the shield. This isn't one of them little, uh, little shields that you would just kind of wear on your forearm. This was considered, the, what Paul's talking about is the big shield. This was like the size of a door. It was a four foot tall, two feet wide, double pieces of wood, laminated, covered with fabric, stuck together, and then um, covered with animal hide. It was bound on top and bottom by iron. This was what the, uh, that the soldier could stand behind and absorb arrows, javelin, whatever was thrown at them. They would be able to protect themselves behind the shield and Paul says that's what our faith is faith faith allows us to get in that defensive position and say mm -mm, you ain't getting in here I will not be poisoned by that dart anymore why because I stand in faith of the Word of God the truth of God the promises of God the fact that I have been made righteous because of Jesus this is the faith that is going to put out those arrows Our enemies, they are launching strikes at us all the time. They are lobbing the arrows of lies, the temptations, uh, the strategy, the, the strategies, the strategies, the deceptions, and this is all an attempt to destroy us. And I don't use that word um, in, in hyperbole, I mean, our destruction is on the enemy's list. And so as our battle rages on, we hold faith to say, you ain't getting in here. I believe in the word of God. I believe who I am in God. But with the shield, every soldier, the shield doesn't do any good over there. I have to hold this shield. I have to wield it. I have to know how to use it. And I have to go and then, and then use it. This is... Uh, 
the, the truth tied around our waist, the truth of Christ, the truth of God's word, the truth. Jesus used the word of God against the devil. Jesus knew who he was in the context of his relationship with the Father. He knew that he had been given authority and power. Church, your relationship with the Father is in really good shape, like perfect shape. You have been given authority and power. And when Jesus got tempted, because he knew when the devil came at him, what did he throw back? The word of God and shut him down. Jesus took up his, his shields and said, I'm going to believe in the word of God. I'm going to believe who I am in God. I'm going to believe I've been given power and authority. And I'm going to speak the word of God back to the enemy and watch those, watch him fall apart. Lies can't contend with the truth. Ever. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you believe that, if, if, if that's true to you because, because you believe this is the truth of God, then putting your faith in that scripture then allows you to wield this weapon with success, with power, with precision. Do we have faith that because of faith, I've been given the righteousness of Christ, that you have been given the righteousness of Christ? That is by faith. Do you have by faith that when Jesus looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son. That, that when God looks at me, he doesn't see the unrighteousness of Dennis. He looks and goes, oh, there's the righteousness of my son. And so the promises of God are mine. The authority of God is mine. The, 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 um, the everything, the, the power of God, it, it's, it's mine. Not to be just used for my own selfish um, my own surface things or whatever I want, but to be used for his kingdom. I have, I'm a soldier in good standing. I, I can, I'm like a general, I think. And so are all of you. Amen. We fight from a place of righteousness. We fight from a place of knowing that the promises of God are ours. Authority is ours. Power is ours not because of us, but because of Jesus. By faith, by faith, we are good with God. And I know sometimes we go through our day and we, we think that we've fallen out of favor with God or um, he, he's angry at us or my goodness, how can I go to him again? Because that's what he expects. 
He wants us to look like Jesus, not some self-imposed perfection that we're trying to strive for and that we will eventually fail at. We are no longer on the naughty list. And so, whenever I speak the word of God, I know that it leaves my mouth with authority and power because I've been given the righteousness of Christ. My assurance is in him and his work in me. My identity doesn't come from my past, my present, or my future, what I do. My identity comes from who I am in Christ. I am a saint who occasionally sins. I'm no longer a sinner, but by the power of Christ, I am now a saint, I'm a priest who occasionally sins. And so when the enemy comes and say, says to me, sinner, how can you, how can you speak to sin? You're a hypocrite. And my answer to that would be, if not for God, you'd be right. But because of God, if I go to a brother or sister and I point out something to them and I am motivated by anything else but love, that's on me. But if I go to a brother and sister, even though I have my own junk, even though I have those corners of my heart where they're still dark, when I go to a brother and sister in love, and I begin to wield the, the, uh, the weapons of spiritual warfare, I know that's, that God will then do the work. It's no longer me, it's him. In order for us to live and to walk in victory, we have to begin to understand who we are. I'm just scratching the surface on this thing. I, I still kind of get caught up in the, in the uh, not quite peace with God yet. Like I know I'm pretty close. I know I have more good days than bad days, but see, when God the Father looks at you, he says, he sees Jesus, his son. He sees that righteousness. I don't have to strive for it. I don't have to perform my way into it. I don't have to worry about it. I can engage kingdom work and all of my imperfection because I know that Jesus is what makes my imperfection perfect. He makes my, my oops he takes for his glory. He fixes, he molds, he shapes, he puts things back together again for his glory. And if I will just submit, just submit, okay, Father, you've given me the gospel of truth, the gospel of peace. I've been made righteous. Now what? and he will direct you and it will be uncomfortable and it will look stupid at times but I'm telling you he knows where we need to fight 
and he knows the battle that we're all in. He knows the weapons he's given us. And to wield those weapons properly, we have to understand who we are. Father, I pray that you would give us the revelation of who we really are. That we would... Um, Lord, can I just ask for a outpouring of faith in this room? Holy Spirit, would you just pour your faith into this room? First John, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Everyone, not most, the vast majority, not those who memorize chapter and verse, not those who attend every Bible study, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And so, Father, may you pour out your faith into this room that we would stand firm with the, the gospel of peace as our shoes, pushing back against the darkness, recognizing who we are in you, the gifts that you've given us. Father, pour out more faith in abundance that we would stand with the shield of faith to put out the, the darts, the arrows, the attack from our enemy. Holy Spirit, more, please, more faith in this room. Build up your saints, build up your children, build up your daughters, build up your sons. Pour out more faith in this room. We want more, Holy Spirit, for your kingdom, for your glory. We want more. Pour out faith into this room. Let this group know who they are in your sights. Thank you, Father. We come to you in confidence because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I won't see you next week. What's that? Yes, thank you. Uh, Jim Talbot will be filling the pulpit next week, and then Pastor Ken Gray will be coming from Calvary Life to fill the next week. Um, and so I will see you when I get back. Love you guys.